So, if you don't know what the TET Center is already, and bear with me if you do, but basically it's a charitable arts hub that's home to nine arts organizations, eight creativity studio artists, and a variety of these super gorgeous rental spaces. The TET offers art classes like pottery workshops, fabric arts workshops, and we hold many events and exhibitions. There's always something going on, so make sure you check in with the events page on our website to stay up to date. So, my name is Maya Kotsavalis, and I thought instead of just writing up a blog post on our website, I'd make a little podcast interviewing a couple of the people that work at the TET so you can catch a vibe on what's going on here and who the type of people are that work in this amazing artist-run center. So today on TED Center Radio, I'm going to be interviewing Anne-Sophie Grenier, the executive director for the Modern Fuel Art Gallery that's located on the top floor of the TED. That's coming up, so stay with us. So just to start off, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and like your background? Um, my name is Anne-Sophie Grenier. I'm originally from Montreal and I moved to Kingston for work um, for Modern Fuel. I did a master's of international arts management. And uh, when I started the program, I initially thought that I would write my thesis on major festivals. So I used to work on the festival circuit. So I worked for Oceaga, the Grand Prix, Les Francofolies, Jazz Fest, um, Just for Laughs. And that was really my area of focus. And then mm. during my program, I learned about artist-run centers and it blew my mind. So I like reverse sold out. I went from working for really <laughs> big organizations to being all about grassroots artists, which was much closer to my communist heart. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> and then um, as part of my dissertation, I wrote about modern fuel and the importance that artist-run centers play outside of major um, urban centers of creativity, like Toronto and Montreal, Mm -hmm. and how important Modern Fuel had been in shaping the cultural landscape of Kingston. And the day I submitted my thesis, I went back on the Modern Fuel website just to check a final little thing, and I saw that they were hiring a director of operations. (laughs) So it was very serendipitous. Yeah. Um, So I sent in my thesis, I sent in a job application, and two weeks later, I was in Kingston. Oh, my God. So yeah. you wrote your thesis on Modern Fuel. And Not then... Modern Fuel specifically, about artist-run mm-hmm. centers in general, um, but Modern Fuel was a part of my research, mm-hmm. and then they were hiring a director, so... It's meant to be. Yeah, it was meant to be. Was that when it was in the Tet Center, or was that what it was? Because it was... What location was it at before... We used to be at 21 Queen Street, Mm -hmm. um, which is like right across the street from the LCBO. Yeah. Uh, But we moved to the TED Center while it was being renovated. Like we're one of the anchor tenants. Okay. Yeah. So this all happened. Modern Fuel moved here six years ago. I got to Modern Fuel in Kingston three years ago. So have you always been interested and involved in the arts scene? It seems like you have considering your, your background, but... Yeah, I have. I um, I started painting and dancing and playing piano when I was four. Well, I never, there's no time in my life where I can remember not doing arts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Um, and then I got very, very into theater. I have a couple professional acting credits. I have an IMDb page, which you can't control. It's just um, what you are credited in the film is what appears on your IMDb page. And That's so pretty cool. the only entry is Anne-Sophie Grenier, hot girl in club. <laughs> which is the kinds of things I was being cast for in Montreal but that's fine it's better than just girl in club yeah, right <laughs> so like who or what do you draw inspiration from hmm. that's a bit of a broad question I draw inspiration from um, people in my life especially uh, women mm-hmm. so I've over the course of my career, I've worked for really great, incredible, inspiring people and really awful people. And so in terms of being a leader at Modern Fuel, I really draw inspiration from the people who helped me get started in my career and who were um, really fundamental in shaping who I was as a person mm-hmm. um, and being kind and um, really putting individual people's like care for people at the center of everything that I do in terms of an organization. Artistically, I also draw a lot of inspiration from the people in my life. So I have a play coming up in the Kingston Fringe that I wrote. It's a contemporary queer femme retelling of A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. That sounds awesome. Um, And so Scrooge is a 31 year old woman Uh, alone on Christmas Eve in her Kingston apartment. It's not me. (laughs) I'm not Scrooge. Um, And she does a tarot card reading and she's visited by three tarot cards. Um, And so the play- That's so cool. I love (laughs) that. Thank you. The play is totally fiction. Like Mm -hmm. none of the characters are my ex-girlfriend or my mom or myself, but um, they're inspired by- lots of people and kind of combinations of people so Mm -hmm. it took a little bit of this person a little bit of another person and put them together to create you know a certain character Mm -hmm. um yeah so I'm inspired by people when's that coming out again um the fringe is running from the 2nd to the 15th of August our play opens on August 6th okay what's the title title of the play queen of swords so does being an art gallery director and curator does that like fit you naturally was it like a goal or ambition for you you just kind of fall Mm. into it good question um I feel like a lot of my life I've just been falling upwards (laughs) (laughs) that's a great way to to describe that um being a performing artist I always thought that I would work for a performance art um organization um but I've always loved the visual arts like Mm -hmm. I'll spend all my free time in museums um, my friends think I'm really lame because when I travel, like I don't go to bars or beaches. Like I only go to the museum. <laughs> <laughs> um, being an artist myself makes me a better curator. Mm-hmm. Um, and being a director suits me pretty naturally, I think. <laughs> yeah. I see that you did your master's in Texas. Uh-huh. You did a little creeping on your uh, LinkedIn. Um How is that considering that you are queer and that Texas is like super conservative, a conservative place? Yeah. So my master's was international. So I did, we moved every semester. So I was in Dallas and then home in Montreal, which was really nice. And then Bogota and then Milan. Oh my God. 
And I was really nervous about going to Dallas. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess I'm, I look more queer now than I did then. Like I had very long hair. Mm -hmm. Um, But (laughs) it was the day before school started and I was walking around the campus and Southern Methodist University is a really big, old, private, privileged school. I got a full ride, which is the only way I was there. Yeah. So I'm walking around campus and I'm dressed, you know, very casually because school hasn't started. And by very casually, I mean combat boots, a green day t-shirt and black cutoff shorts. So I'm strolling through and I walk by (laughs) these two young men who are probably just about to start their undergrad. And as I'm like walking by, they go, oh, she looks (laughs) pro-choice. And I'm like, oh, right. That's the thing here. I turn around. I was like, I sure am, boys. You guys want to talk about it? They're like, no, that's okay. And they ran away. Um, The audacity. There was a lot of encounters like that. Um, I walked in the Dallas Pride Parade. um, And it was like 40 degrees outside. It was super hot. And the Pride Parade only happens in the village. So we don't cross downtown Dallas for a number of reasons. The village is that like the gay village? Yeah, yeah. I assume so. Yeah, um, and it was really amazing. There were like cowboys wearing only chaps on horses, and they had like added a unicorn, like a, a, a horse, which is like the most the gayest Texas thing I've ever seen. <laughs> um, anyway, so we walk in the parade. I'm with like the SMU LGBTQ club. There's five of us. Oh my god, that's it. <laughs> There were probably way more queer kids on campus, but none that were walking in the parade. So anyways, we go through the parade. That's all good and dandy. And then I'm on my way home and uh, I have my big flag, like that's as big as a cape wrapped Mm -hmm. around me. And a bunch of people like threw trash at me (sighs) and yelled at me. So I like quickly like put my flag in my backpack and just like made my way home as fast as possible. Oh my God. And then. That's terrifying. Yeah. I was staying with a family who were lovely people, but like very conservative and like very religious with, you know, there's inherently nothing wrong with that. Like they were like kind people. And so I got home at like 4.30 PM. I didn't go to any of the after parties because I was doing a master's. I had homework to do. Mm -hmm. And I walk in and they're having dinner because they had dinner at 4.30. And, you know, the daughter who's my age goes, oh, like, where were you? I was like at the parade. She goes, what parade? I go, the pride parade. She goes, the pride of what parade? I was like, the gay pride parade. And everyone just kind of like stopped eating. Went silent. Yeah, it was like total silence. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go to the library now. And they're like, who is staying in our house? <laughs> but no one ever brought it up. Just silence. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I want to ask you just a question, not that I wrote down. But like, what was your favorite place that you went to during your master's? Because you went to yeah, all of those places. Mm. Bogota was incredible. Yeah, that I could imagine. Um, I really want to go to yeah. Colombia. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, lots of Texas was also incredible. The Dallas Museum of Art is one of the best museums I've seen. Like their really? collection is incredible. And so is the Fort Worth Contemporary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of really, really rich people in Texas yeah. who like to fund the arts. So, I mean, there's so much wrong with the way that the arts are funded in the U.S., um, but if you're an organization that 
gets multi-million dollar donors like year round, then you can do a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah. I'll still choose grants over oil money any day for like for me and for Mm -hmm. the way that um, arts are funded in Canada, but it does lead to some really kind of crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And on our reading week, we went to the desert and we went to Marfa. What's that? Marfa is this crazy little town, um, like two hours outside of San Antonio. It's in the middle of the desert um, on the border of Texas and Mexico. And Donald Judd and Dan Flavin, who were artists in the, they were really big in the 70s in New York, moved out there and they started their own studios and they just wanted to get as far away as possible from the New York art scene. And a whole bunch of people followed. And so now Marfa is this little oasis of contemporary art. That sounds so cool. Yeah, it was, uh, it was incredible. I'm looking it up right now. Uh, Marfa. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've seen this before. It's like a little gem within a very conservative place. Yeah, and a very poor and rural place. Like, yeah. If to also kind of think about the gentrification of like what it means for the area in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think quite a few people who would have lived there normally have been kind of pushed out mm-hmm. by artist studios and like um, desert festivals. Um, yeah. I mean, every there's no place in the world that's immune from these kinds of like problematic things. So this is kind of a weird question, but in your career, like, how do you think being an executive director for an art gallery was going to work out before it happened? And then how did you, how did it really work out? Does that make sense? No, I don't get your question <laughs> at all. <laughs> like, like, did you have like an image of what it would be versus what it actually was? Right. Like, you know, those memes that are like expectations mm. versus reality. Totally. I like that. I only understood the question once you related it to, it to a meme. meme. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I've always pictured myself being the boss. Yeah. (laughs) But now I'm not a boss. I'm like a leader and I don't, you know, my employees are not my employees. They're my colleagues and they're my friends. um, Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, when I was younger, if you told me that, you know, at 28, I would have become the executive director of an arts organization, I probably would have pictured it a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Um, because Modern Fuel is so small, I'm the director, but I'm also, you know, the janitor and um, the finance person mm-hmm. and up until recently, the marketing person. So we're a team of five now, which was incredible. Um, a year and a half ago, I was the only kind of staff member mm-hmm. and I was supported by wonderful interns and volunteers, but um, you could have called me, you know, the gallery assistant and I would have been doing the same kind of tasks, you know? Yeah. Um, Now that we have like a really solid team, um, I get to be a little bit more hands off Mm -hmm. and more um, kind of doing strategy and planning and um, overseeing the projects that my incredible colleagues are running. (laughs) My life is way more casual than I expected it to be when I was a kid or even like 25 and I love it. Yeah. I like being able to wear flip-flops to work and you know, yeah. I like the flexibility. Our our board is really awesome in terms of um, human resources and flexibility and they supported me so incredibly during COVID and 
really checking in on my and my colleagues' mental health and mm-hmm. professional development and growth and um, offering a lot of support. And that support is continuing and it's kind of in all aspects of Modern Fuel. So I'm super happy that I don't work for a major organization mm-hmm. or a festival anymore and that I work for a grassroots organization that's all about expression and yeah. exploring the world from an artistic lens. So the uh, reality is different than the expectations, but the reality is so much better. I don't know if you're allowed to talk about this, but like I know you're putting in a new exhibit right now. So what's like coming up for Modern Fuel? Right. So we just opened our new show in the state of Flux today. It's oh, really? Butterfly Effects by Emily Pelstring, who is a really cool local artist and performer and uh, prop at Queens. Um, she actually taught in my undergrad program at Concordia, and then we both ended up in Kingston. And now you're displaying her exhibit. <laughs> yeah. That's, that is so cool. Um, she created like a terrarium in which there are a whole bunch of found objects, and she's projecting That's an animation so cool. on top of it. She's inspired by witchcraft and um, feminism and animation, and it's just like... I can't describe it properly because it's just magic. You'll That's have to come see it. so cool. Yeah. I will absolutely come see it. That sounds amazing. In the main gallery, we currently have Inocha Means to Hear by Logan McDonald, um, which opened in March, two weeks before the emergency break that ended mm-hmm. up into a full other set of lockdowns. And that's going to be up through the end of August. Thankfully, we were able to extend his show. Mm-hmm. And um, Logan is... Uh, part Mi'kmaq, part Settler, and he is, through his art, exploring these two facets of his personality, which is also the two facets of Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, yeah. yeah, really think uh, Indigenous knowledge and culture, how it's learned and shared and presented uh, in conversation with um, relics of Sir Johnny McDonald and colonialism. It's mm-hmm. really hard hitting and I it's worth a tour and a good read and a good think. Mm-hmm. In the window space we have um, Michael Lamar who's a local artist and member of Modern Fuel as well and um, his show also opened in March and it's called There and Not There and he created site-specific sculptures mm-hmm. inspired by our proximity to Lake Ontario. And he will also have a sculpture up in the grounds of the Tet Center as of this fall. And then in the fall, or in September, we're also going to have our annual juried exhibition featuring the work of seven member artists. And the theme is Where From Here. And that will, uh, I forgot the word in English, but the exhibition will launch at the same time (laughs) as our next issue of Siphon, which is our critical arts publication. And the theme for that issue is also where from here. So those that's going to be our fall. Um, and we're also going to have, um, we're going to showcase the artworks of uh, the Sideways Residency, which is a year-long program that we've been running in collaboration with Union Gallery. Okay. We have 10 artists in residence, and they've been in a year-long virtual residency together. And we're going to be displaying the artwork that they made uh, over the course of this year. In Modern Fuel? Yeah, in Modern Fuel and at the Union. Okay, so my last question, and this is a super broad question, so feel free to answer this in the most abstract or tangible way that you'd like, but like, why should people come to Modern Fuel? Like, obviously, 
you could say to like support local, local artists and stuff yeah. but like what do you hope someone would like get out of um, visiting people should come to modern fuel to hang out with me it's super <laughs> cool and we'll have a great time <laughs> um i think that i think art is important who said this i'm gonna quote this wrong to see art is to step out of your shoes and see the world through someone else's eyes Basically, that's it, and why you should come to Modern Fuel and other art organizations. Yeah, I just switched my um, major from Global Development Studies to a medial, like, dual degree, kind of, from Global Development Studies and Art History. That quote totally is encapsulating why I did that. I feel like it just gives you a totally different lens into mm -hmm. so many things. And even through learning about art, like, you learn about colonization and gender and sexuality and all of those kind of issues as well yeah in a very like easy to understand way because it's visual and it's interactive and it's beautiful and it's like fun yeah you can visualize and understand these larger issues of the world in a different way because someone else is showing you their interpretation it kind of like plays into um just how people how the humans like perceive things. Yeah. And it's easy to like put yourself in that position. Totally. Thanks to Anne-Sophie for her insight and time. And if you enjoyed this podcast, send it to your friends and family. We can be reached at arts at tetcenter.org. Come swing by the Tet. We are quite literally here for your enjoyment. So explore, have a coffee, hang out, and stay tuned for more artist interviews at the Tet Center. Thank you so much for listening and take care.